0: Hello. Hello. Before we get started this week, just a quick request for you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Do it. Thank you. Now, the episode. (laughs) Hello. Hi. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're dragon babies. Dragon babies. Madeline's a little under the weather this week, so we're not going to get a full song, but that's okay. <laughs> that was it's the spoken word form of that. the Dragon Babies intro mix it up song. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they're maybe even better for adults. Yeah, this week, Artemis Fowl by Owen Colfer. This book was published in two thousand one. It is huh. one that we both have a lot of experience with. When did uh, you first read it? Right around then, oh, I was okay. in middle school. Got it, and Got it. I graduated middle school Same. in two thousand two. So it okay. must have been shortly after it was published. So before we move any further, just want to let y'all know that we do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover. Um, if you are listening to this but have never read Artemis Fowl, I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> Because I feel like it's pretty ubiquitous. This Mm -hmm. is probably one of the most popular books that we've covered, whereas uh, we we tend to do um, just kind of like long-forgotten Hawaii fantasy books. beloved. Beloved, but like maybe cult classics. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, So we are going to thoroughly spoil the plot. Um, If you want to read Artemis Fowl before listening, it's a pretty quick read. Stop and go do that. It Yeah. Takes like a, a couple hours. Fly by. <laughs> so, the audiobook it. itself,
1: which is always like way longer than it takes to read the book, is only six hours long.
0: Anyway, before we get started, we're going to do a quick little marketing breakdown just to discuss the way the publisher chose to package and promote this book. Um, How did you read this book? Did you read it online? I read uh, an ebook, yeah. Um, did it have the, the original golden cover?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: It's bound to look like the Book of the People, which is the fairy's rule book and dictates the way that they can use their magic and the way they interact with humans and really just everything else about their existence. Um, and that is the book that Artemis Fowl sets out to steal.
1: And in the original version, there's actually... Was this in your book? There are fairy characters along Gnomish. yeah, mm-hmm. each page. And they it actually, if you translate it... Um, it comes out to, it's like a little story Mm -hmm. about. I think it's, I don't remember what the story is. I never translated it, but I looked it up online and read that.
0: Yeah, so that, as Madeline mentioned, that's an important feature of the book. There is a coded message running along the bottom of every page, um, which is very exciting when you are a youngin' and reading it. Um, I've read a few books that have codes along the bottom. Uh, The other one that comes to mind is I'm sure no one has Mm. read this because it's by like a Chicago author that I only knew because of this theater group. It's a great Uh, lead up. Great, I know. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) The book is called The Boy Detective Fails and it's by Joe Meenon. Oh yeah, we Uh, saw a version of that. We did. We saw the the adaptation of it. it. I sat next to the author at the performance I went to. Oh, and And I sat on the other side. He told me... Not to go to the college that I was planning to go to. Oh, I forgot about this. It was ominous. Yeah. He was like, oh, you want to study creative writing? I don't think. Okay. I mean, I don't think they have a, like much of a program or anything. And I was just like, too late now. You're Thanks. like 18. So good to hear from my favorite author that I shouldn't go to the college. College oh, I've going to, doom very stressful and i did indeed have some <laughs> troubles in college so i don't know show me no You, he cursed you he did curse me anyway back to the story at hand um there's not much to say about the cover because yeah it's just golden um it lays out artemis fell in uh gothic text um and I'll quickly read the back so that we can get a picture of how... Uh, I'm sorry, it was the Scholastic Edition, not the Viking Edition. Oh, Grace. Come on. On the back of the book, below the pretend like gold-embossed hinges and all the little trappings that this cover has. I did think it was a cool cover. It is cool. Yeah. I mean, it's um, <laughs> holographic. It in. Yeah, it's shiny in, in, like a Charizard card. Exactly, like a Charizard card. And for any child of the 90s, that shimmer was very compelling. I had one of
1: those. It was a hollow Charizard. I don't know what on Earth happened to it.
0: Who is Artemis Fowl? A genius. A criminal mastermind. A millionaire. And he is only 12 years old. Yet as crafty as he is, Artemis may have met his match in Captain Holly Short, an elf from the Leprecon Special Forces, when he plots to steal the richest treasure the world has ever known. The Timeless Treasure of the Fairies. That's it. Um, So this book basically is like an action film. Um, Okay, I thought this book is targeted
1: to a younger audience. Mm -hmm. Terry Pratchett meets a Guy Ritchie
0: film. Yes, 100%. My first (laughs) note says Terry Pratchett light. And that's... Like exactly what this yeah. is, mm-hmm. especially I think it's really interesting that we covered Thud a few months ago. Oh my gosh, is because like this the counterpoint is... to this book. Well, this book—I mean, this book is based on uh, Terry Pratchett. Well, yeah, but no. What I'm saying is, like, from a reader's perspective, like, sure. if you want to look at two different authors mm-hmm. with a similar approach handling the same subject matter mm-hmm. with a very different result, yeah, it's no, really totally. fascinating. I think I think it's. Kind I want to like, have like a. British fantasy uh, literature course and (laughs) teach these two books back to back. It's
1: perfect that we just did Thud Mm -hmm. uh, a bit ago because it was so... I've obviously never thought that
0: before because I'd never read Thud before. Yeah. But yeah. Very interesting. We'll we'll get into that in more detail. Um, But I mentioned that to say that I think this description fits. Um, Mm -hmm. I think let's do the plot and then we'll talk old and new impressions and get into this in more detail. Okay. Get into the meat of things. So Artemis Fowl is the main character. (laughs) I know this much.
1: (laughs) Um, He is the son of like basically a crime Lord of a a crime dynasty, the Mm -hmm. Fowls. Um, And they lost a fair bit of money recently in a bit of fall of the Soviet Union corporate subterfuge. Yeah. And uh, Artemis's father is missing, and Artemis is basically trying to get money to rebuild the family empire. His mom is really sick because she kind of um, went out of her mind when their, her husband, Artemis's dad, uh, disappeared. Um, Artemis is kind of all alone, except for his... Uh, servant butler bodyguard
0: slave slave <laughs> like friend their family is like <laughs> indentured to the fowls
1: yeah have you read the other
0: books i've read 2 and 3 so so i i have you read them all cuz the last one was published in like 2008
1: the, i read up to the the one where they wipe Artemis's memory okay. at the end of it. Okay. Um, and in that book, I think that's 5 or 6. I think it's like 4. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Um anyways, their their relationship does get more fleshed out.
0: I mean, it's Not 2008, 2012 is when the final okay. book was published. And what's the final book called? The Last Guardian? Okay, I didn't read that one. Um Yeah,
1: the relationship is weird. It's also not, it it doesn't seem far from reality. Like, I could totally Mm -hmm. see a super wealthy family having another, I mean, that's, like, family dynasties that are super wealthy would have, like, dynasties of
0: servants. Yeah, and they mention that there's also monetary gains being given to butlers, the butlers. His name is Butler, but his family is also... It, Butler's, Butler Butler's his last name
1: he yeah. tells Artemis his first name in a different book yeah. um and uh, I mean it doesn't it doesn't seem like they're enslaved but it is troubling that they like get into the trade at a really young age yeah. because then you they don't, don't really have, have a choice. choice right Yeah so you know shades of uh, <laughs> shades
0: of <is> smoke okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um it, it's also a little troubling that. The Fowl family is Irish, and the butlers are re- described as Eurasian. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like a some kind of racial dynamic y- there, right? Yeah. yeah. Um Anyways, in in the
0: in the book that I can't tell if this episode's going to be really short or really long. <laughs> <laughs> like it's going to be one. Yeah. No, I feel like there is a, a decent to amount to unpack. Yes. Yeah, because
1: mm-hmm. okay, anyways, let's keep going. Plot, yeah. plot, 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 plot. 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 Uh Artemis figures out uh, fairies are real, in short, and he uh, devises a plan to kidnap one, uh, not to get the fantastical fairy gold, but rather because as he's figured out and understands, fairies have basically a ransom fund. yeah, um, And the fairy culture... Is not dissimilar to uh, Ankh More pork. I mean, basically, if you've read any Terry Pratchett that has Ankh Moor pork in it, it's Ankh Moor pork, um, complete with very similar racial, speciesal tensions mm-hmm. between like. For instance, dwarves and goblins, Mm. um, trolls are big and slow and around, and they kind of get used by people. Artemis does succeed in capturing a member of their police force, basically, when she goes to complete the rite that will give her uh, replenished magic. Um, It goes fairly poorly, pretty quickly. I don't. I didn't remember that part so much because I always, yeah. you know, Artemis is depicted as such a mastermind, but
0: stuff starts to fall apart for him really quickly. Although... And a lot of his mastermind depiction is his own internal monologue, too, right. which is something to remember. Right, yeah, no, constantly that's true. Like, I have it all figured out. Right. Which will go perfectly. And I mean, in the end, he does get
1: everything that he wanted. Mm-hmm. So, so he basically... A little less money. A little less money, but still, I mean, it's a ton but of he gold. Gets his, so half a ton of gold is still...
0: health repaired right.
1: at the same time. But um, half a ton of gold is still a whole lot of casholas. He, uh, he captures Holly Short with the help of Butler and Butler's sister, younger sister Juliet, um, who's sort of like a butler in training. They go more into her in later books. Mm-hmm. And the Lep Recon who are the police force. It's LEP recon, uh, including commander root, who is Holly's, uh, supervisor and friend, especially in later books. Gruff Uh, mentor. Yeah. Yeah. He obviously cares a lot about her. Um, a little, some shades of Lord Wilden, Mm. but not that much, but it did remind me a a little of Lord Wilden from, uh, uh, Page, which is a different book that we from
0: the know. Protector of the Small series by, by Tamara, Tamara Pierce. Pierce.
1: Root is part of the task force to save her. They go through the procedure that is seemingly standard um, to try and get her back. Because I don't think I mentioned this, but. In this world, fairies hide themselves from humans. They live underground. Fairies don't want to come into contact with humans because they know that <coughs> humans are idiots and they would basically try to exploit fairies as much as possible. And fairies probably could wipe out all the humans, but it would mm-hmm. be a brutal and bloody battle that would lead to much death on both sides.
0: And they also clearly value life. Right. They don't want to kill humans. They don't the want to kill anyone. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they're really careful they're much more in tune a certain type with nature
1: yeah they yeah i don't think they
0: eat meat
1: Um, and they act in a much more sustainable fashion than humans basically and they call humans mud men um so that's the whole that's what they're all freaked out about about artemis capturing holly who the name of the fairy that they uh capture because a lot
0: of the police force's job, I felt, is also just Containment. minimizing human conduct. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, uh,
1: That's basically what his bargaining chip is, is if you don't give me this gold, I will expose you mm-hmm. to humans. Um, they threw a time stop over Artemis's manor. Uh, this plays into his plan because he figures out a way to escape the time stop, which will keep him from being killed by fairy technology after they liberate Captain Short. Um, they send in a troll at one point. To, in a, I just, I, I have trouble with seeing how that's ever going to be a good idea. Although, I okay, I do understand that the reason they send in the troll is because that they're trying to get an invite by mm-hmm. having the humans within saying, mm-hmm. help me. Yeah. I still think it's kind of a poor plan. I agree with Cap uh, Commander Root, who is like not into it. because um, at that
0: point he's like been usurped. Yeah, there's been um, a coup been kind a of commander appointed. Yeah. A lot happens. Yeah. It
1: basically in the end, uh, Artemis does let Holly go. She mm-hmm. thinks that he's gonna die, but he drugs himself, Butler, and Juliet. Uh, they fall asleep and they manage to escape the time field that way. Um, with still a very big chunk of fairy gold. And basically because of the fairy's own rules about like being invited and playing by, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of, like you said, they have a really strict moral code, Mm -hmm. um, which also dictates their interactions with humans. Uh, They can't go after it anymore. So Artemis basically comes out on the other side of it with a lot of gold and a slightly wrecked manner. But otherwise for him, no negative repercussions. He does win and holly also saves butler's life yeah yeah because the troll um, kills butler but yeah. holly heals him with her magic
0: yeah so it's basically the the plot of like an action thriller mm-hmm. like you can tell there's, just from recounting it and, and like hopping through the different steps yeah you know there's the point when like the, the first time that the kidnappers' methods are thwarted, mm-hmm. but then the other side that's coming in and trying to retrieve the captive um, also runs up against, like, unexpected difficulties. Um, and it's kind of like a back and forth mm-hmm. until we get to a pretty pretty neat ending, um, with the exception of the fact that Artemis obviously knows everything about the fairies at this point. He still has copies of the book of the people. Right. Um, He has a lot of their technology, which
1: he's going to sell for patents
0: and whatnot. And it's obvious that this is, that this entire book is the setup for a long running series, Um, especially because, and this is what going into old and new impressions. This is something that like drove me kind of crazy rereading the book. Which is that Owen Culver has
1: a substantial amount of writing ticks. Yeah. If you know what I mean yes. by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which I do want to talk about. Um, yeah. Because those were, yeah, it got to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Artemis is our, you know, protagonist. I'll say he's the titular character. He's the anti-hero um, slash, sometimes villain of the entire series. And in this book, this is all like set up for the growth that he is going to experience. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, because he does have a substantial so, amount of growth. Totally. But but it's hard that even though saying all that and understanding this is just the first book in a long series, mm-hmm. he's so one dimensional in this book. Yeah. Um, and it's kind he's, of a stock villain. He really like, in, just embodies a lot of cliched like child genius tropes yeah. um yeah and there's no question that there like is possibly anything that he doesn't know which is just annoying was like this there was Owen Colfer's first book um do you think he wrote other things before it so Owen Colfer had written books prior to this one but they were all for very young readers mm-hmm. um and that brings me to something else i just want to couch our comments in which is the books that we tend to cover on this podcast are aimed at a slightly older audience than this one i think oh i think you're right Um, yeah i think this is more for like grade schoolers i think Um, so too
1: yeah and and i loved it when i was 11
0: (laughs) that's the thing this is a series that is perfect for a child who isn't excited about reading Mm. and who has, you know, some other person in their life who's trying to like get them interested. I feel like this is an amazing entry point and it's, complex enough that it gets you thinking about like these different threads of fantasy races and magic in our own world. I think it's like an intro to Terry Pratchett. Totally. It really, it really. Because when I, when I was reading these, a great
1: younger companion, you and mom were already into Terry Pratchett. Mm -hmm. And I, for, I had this complex where I was like, that book is too old for me. And I couldn't read Terry Pratchett because every other word I didn't know, um, but I could read this because mm-hmm. yeah, it was it's much more for like tweens than your quote unquote young adult.
0: Yeah, I was curious about this, so I tried seeing if I could get any quotes from like librarians or someone who worked with kids about mm-hmm. um, the readership and just like the age range for the books. And I found um, a bookstore owner's quote where she said Artemis is one of our key series for nine to 12 year olds, mm. the combination of okay. action and adventures, strong male and female lead characters and Owen's brilliant humor, make them perfect for a wide range of readers. Got it. And I think that makes sense. I think this would be, um, popular among both like little boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. which is also rare,
1: right? Because there are strong male and female characters. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, more more male characters than yes. female characters. Yeah, I was thinking about our <laughs> Badass Lady meters segment and who I would choose, and I was like, well, there's two. There's two. Yeah. yeah. There's one who's, like, not capable of Mom. communicating. She's not a, <laughs> no, she's not to she be She has ranked. one of those, like, fictional spells of madness. Yeah, on Victorian type. Yeah. yeah, like, swooning and yeah, taking exactly. to the bed.
1: Um like a Nancy Drew game,
0: yeah, but that also develops more as the it series. Does. there goes are more too. female characters, yeah. yeah. And something about this book is just how compact it is like, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of room for um, character development bringing in additional characters, much less like developing the ones that we have mm-hmm. further. So that's why I feel like a lot of them end up being painted with kind of broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Like, Holly is you know, the like cop with a heart of gold who can't stop breaking the rules mm-hmm. and like root is the gruff traditionalist who has a soft spot for his new recruit who's um, the first lady on the force exactly and like foley is the eccentric computer guy <laughs> i do like foley though you know foley is awesome um <laughs> he wear he literally wears a foil hat and he's there like a genius inventor like tech guy yeah it's no fully is great and i will so we've been broadly talking about our old and new impressions, yeah. but to be more specific i will say um weirdly going into this i didn't have like much recollection of the book and oh, then as I soon did. as i started reading it i was like I could probably like recite this from memory. Like I've definitely I read, read it many so times. many times. It was like
1: a comfort book for me.
0: Totally. Probably because
1: it has such a a perfect mm-hmm. story arc, a nice arc and it's yeah. predictable and it's, you know, like it's just a very solid, especially for a kid. Mm-hmm. It was very comforting and I liked the I could understand the stakes and I could understand the characters and everything cuz it's for it's simpler than a lot of the stuff we've been talking about.
0: It is, yeah. And the flip side of that is that because this book was perfectly suited to us as young readers, as opposed to some of the more challenging uh, books that we were reading, maybe a little younger than average, um, when we've it, we're not really gaining new. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure of the word I want to use because I don't want to just like all over this book because it's good and it's valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like for me, it was really
1: important as a younger reader. And I think yeah. that it's popularity shows how important it is for a
0: ton of other young readers. Exactly. I mean, I, I, we couldn't get this. We don't have our old copy anymore and we couldn't get one from the Seattle public library. There's like dozens of holds on every edition yeah. that they have. They're all out. Um, it's they've sold over 25 million copies. I mean, but I th- I think that this is maybe
1: like one of the first books we've reread where I didn't gain anything. I mean, it was I didn't not enjoy reading it, mm-hmm. but I didn't necessarily gain something new I, yeah, interesting new. and positive cuz i did find some problematic things
0: yeah we're going to definitely yeah. talk about those um, <laughs> but i, I did yeah but i did this book also came out 18 years ago totally
1: yeah and that's what this is kind of how i anticipated this conversation to go because i was like well me and grace are often of one mind with yeah. this type of thing so i feel like she's also going to bring these things up yeah. um so I'm glad we've started out by talking about some of the positives about it.
0: Mm-hmm. We're doing a sandwich, compliment sandwich. Yeah,
1: yep. exactly. Um, and it, just because I don't like, I'll, I'll repeat one more time. It was important to me. Um, I think it's a, really important for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think overall it is a common good to have this series exist.
0: Do you think you can articulate some of the specific things you gained from it, rereading it as a young reader? Like you mentioned that it was kind Mm -hmm. of a comfort book for you. Um, But do you remember any of the specific kind of qualities of the characters or the plot or what it was?
1: Sure. So one of the, I mean, just one of the really important things to me is that the, uh, I felt that the action lead was Captain Mm -hmm. Holly Short. Yes, definitely. And, that was really awesome to me. I was I was a a little girl, mm-hmm. and I was into action stuff. But I was already realizing, if not in a way that I could articulate, but at least implicitly, the nightmare treatment of women in. Action media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to actually have an action lead that was a woman, because yeah. I didn't really view this as fantasy so much as action. Because in fantasy, there, yeah. even when I was young, like especially because of all of the amazing authors that we've been talking about, there were plenty of w- strong women leads. Mm-hmm. But to have a strong woman lead in an action thing, and I also mm-hmm. really liked Juliet um, yeah. when I was younger. I liked Juliet a lot. She's actually like becomes even cooler or really cool rather in uh, subsequent books. And even though the, the book talks down on her, I still, I always kind of, that was dissonant for me because I didn't understand why the author was talking down her. Cause I was always yeah. just like, "Juliet's cool. She does her own thing. Like she yeah. doesn't need your whatever. Like, I don't care what you're saying narrator.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I really liked Juliet too and you know those are the two women in the book mm-hmm. and I just thought they were so cool and I also I also really liked Butler because mm-hmm. I uh, like when I was 11 I was coming into the lonely part of my life yeah and so then in subsequent years when I was a lonely kid who didn't really have any friends who felt alienated from everyone my own age didn't really see friendship as a possibility for me the way that it was happening for other people um to think about having someone who was always with you would protect you would you know be there for you even when it was pretty certain that you'd been screwing up really badly like that was extremely attractive to me yeah you know
0: and i mean did you notice the parallel
1: We had a dog named Butler. Yeah, our
0: childhood dog's name was Butler. Which also, yeah,
1: I just get such warm fuzzies about that because Butler was like my my dog protector. Yeah. 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 So, totally.
0: Well, thanks for...
1: So that's, yeah... Thanks for going into those details. Yeah, I... And also, as I said, the story structure is is very straightforward. It's very um, appealing. It, yeah, it's your, you know, rising crescendo, things look lost, but then everything turns out totally fine. None of the main characters die. Mm-hmm. Like, everything turns out pretty peachy for everyone involved. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Um, yeah, I... So, from my perspective, um, I know that I really i've always loved like a mixture specific mixtures of our world and fantasy elements mm-hmm. which is like if you've been listening to our podcast for all you can probably tell that by like the books we, we've covered yeah. Yeah. um like so you want to be a wizard um the crestomancy books um really uh, like anything by diana White jones for the most part because she really delights in playing with that
1: and yeah that absolutely tension.
0: um what was the last book we did The last book that we covered was Sorcery and Cecilia. Yeah. Which, again. Exactly the same uh thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's for a few different reasons. Part of it is just like, it makes my escapism more grounded um, and gives me a hope, you know, or... Yeah, continues to give me a hope that maybe there are some magical elements, some magical forces out there that are just hidden from us. Um, I was talking with
1: a client on Friday about how it really does seem like certain people are just blessed by some kind of magical fairy dust and other ones are truly cursed. (laughs) That everything bad that could happen happens to them.
0: Yeah, so I, I that's really attractive to me. And because this world is specifically being actively hidden mm-hmm. by the magical yeah. races, mm-hmm. um, I liked that a lot too. A little bit of a Harry Potter thing going on there. Yeah, a little Harry Potter-ish. Um, I like the uh, specific inclusion of technology. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I like the way that... Uh, there are attempts made to explain how the fairy technology works um, and that they're using things like nuclear energy. I also appreciated the environmentalism component yes. of yeah. the magical races being um, totally appalled by everything that the mud men, the humans have done to Ooh. the planet. Which is a
1: very and please excuse me if it's incorrect to say this, but as far as I understand, without having researched the statement ahead of time, a a trope... Such a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) A trope birthed by Tolkien in his codification of a lot of myths because Mm -hmm. he saw industrialism as an evil Mm -hmm. destroying the beauty of nature. So I feel like partly he birthed this, that it's just going to be an underlying fantasy trope, that the magical uh, elements, the good magical elements, are going to be environmentalist and wanting to preserve and protect nature. And then evil is going to be uh, rampant, I mean, capitalist destruction of said uh, nature, natural beauty, etc.
0: Yeah, I really do think that Tolkien provided... The modern shorthand for discussing mm-hmm. these concepts, yeah. He like codified um, it, yeah, exactly. Codified, um, and uh, so that is very present in this book. There are a lot of lines about how awful humans are. And yeah, away the holly, first asks Juliet for food. She's like, I don't know, do you have any whale lying around or <laughs> dolphin? No, dolphin. she says do you yeah. have any dolphin lying around, um, and Artemis. I think one of the moments when we're supposed to feel some sympathy for him is when he decides that as he's trying to get rid of this tracker and also show a threat to the fairies, um, he decides to blow up a whaling ship because he's like, we we can, we don't need another whaling Yeah. Ship. Yeah. Like, we mm-hmm. can do without yeah. that. Um, yeah. So I liked all of those themes a lot. Um, and, well, yeah, we're already talking about the, the newer impressions. Mm-hmm. But I am I am really happy that I did read this book so much when I was young. And the other piece is Holly. I love Holly, too, um, as well as Juliet. And Holly is really interesting because we're told at the beginning of the book, the police force, um, well, recon specifically, doesn't have any other female officers. Yeah. But then she's treated pretty um pretty much like without consideration for her gender going on through the book. right? Um, There isn't a lot at the beginning. There is talk about this. And part of that is just that they're in like total crisis mode the entire time. There's not really that much time for bigotry. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what we need. Like if the earth could just set on fire. Hey, if we were
1: attacked by aliens, there'd be a lot less global factionalism. I'll tell you that. There's Agreed. No more unifying force than a, you know a unifying threat. Maybe the aliens are listening right now. Attack us <laughs> now is a great time. <laughs> I'm looking
0: up at the sky. I'm gesturing. <laughs> Come on in. Um, we've pretty much yeah. I think we've run out our own timeline at this yeah, point. We've, so. we've dunked it up pretty bad, guys. So need to step on in. Um, anyway like you were saying she is a full-on action star and that's really fun Mm -hmm. like she gets bodily like thrown around she's really involved in the fighting against and she rescues herself she rescues herself um gets her magic back Mm -hmm. uh, by ramming a bed against a concrete floor until she can smash an acorn in against some dirt yeah um Yeah. And I just really enjoy spending time with her. Mm -hmm. Holly's great. I do remember that like Holly was my kind of driving force for wanting to continue reading the books. And then I think Mm -hmm. I just aged out of the series. I think that's why I didn't make it past. That's probably why I didn't read the last Um, one. Yeah. And I mean, I started them when I was already like 13. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. there just wasn't like really room to continue on through the series. Um, An entirely new generation of media consumers is about to be introduced to Artemis Fowl because Disney is releasing a big budget adaptation this year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been in in production, uh, like Purgatory. Since the book was released. Yeah. Um, So, really curious to see what that is. May or may not, but have you watched the teaser for it?
1: No, I guess I don't really have
0: I don't know. I don't even really want to see it. So it looks like it's getting uh, I don't know, I don't want to just immediately call it the wrinkle in Time treatment um, what I was thinking, but it it definitely seems like it's gonna be darker than mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, because the wrinkle in time
1: movie was pretty I mean I think it was less dark than the book. For sure, yeah. it was
0: really clearly made for a, young, a younger audience. movie-going yeah. audience. Uh-huh. Yeah, it wasn't for us.
1: my favorite part is still when Calvin eats a ton of food and then you, <laughs> it turns to sand afterwards, and you're just like, his belly is full of sand. <laughs> you
0: love that so much. Calvin like, was great. It so for many me, times. Calvin was perfect. <laughs> He's just this derpy little dude, like. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious to see. I don't know. It's directed by Kenneth Branagh, um, and <laughs> Judy Dench plays Commander Root. So they're doing some like gender, gender swapping. Um, well, but then it doesn't.
1: Okay, so there's know, no so longer the Ho- an element right. of Holly as the first. Right. Yeah. Because if her boss is a woman, then there's none of that at all. Yeah, which is, I think, a valuable. Storyline in the book But
0: I don't know Yeah, interesting
1: And if they're trying to franchise it It's also an important Like in continuing books mm-hmm. Because then they start to get more women
0: mm-hmm. Anyways, okay Butler is also played by A Nigerian actor um, He is English But he's of Nigerian descent Um, Feel conflicted about making him black um,
1: So there's a dynasty of black servants to the white yeah irish yeah yeah oh that's troubling (laughs) especially yeah just like the
0: colonialism right that's because then it's
1: it is much more like yeah they probably started being their servants when they were literally slaves
0: uh, yeah whereas i feel like um and also, I don't really want to comment on what Eurasian means. I don't know. I don't I, like yeah. that term. But I feel like they're trying to make it, feel like Owen Colfer is trying to say more that. Swarthy. Um, Butler, or like Russian, maybe. I feel like trying to give kind of a, because like, yeah, you know, mysterious big dude vibe. Because to me,
1: Eurasian, I mean, I've only ever used or heard that word used in like academic texts about, for example, Eurasian genocide, meaning yeah. it's European or Asian right. so that they can talk about like mass atrocity through all of these different cultures or something like that. But I have Eurasian as describing a person. I don't really know what that's supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. I, I took it to mean like swarthy, like big and swarthy. Yeah. Yeah. Which again has some weird racial undertones.
0: Yeah. Well, since we're already talking about racial issues in the book. So let's <laughs> launch into our. art. We've done
1: our old and new impressions. Let's have our segment of,
0: which we have sometimes like, uh, yeah, we had so, some problems. <laughs> hey, there's some issues to think about. Yeah. And like, something that I would say would be, you know, like maybe good for like a parent or an educator to discuss with a child Unpack. after reading this book yeah um here's something interesting that i feel like summed up um this this one this one issue in the book which is uh, like police treatment of civilians of criminals mm-hmm. of everyone in between in yeah. the lep recon and like in the lower elements police Um, which throughout the book is like painted as, you know, they're like the more elevated group compared to the humans. And like, they're supposed to be the better ones, more civilized, more civilized and, and just better, like all around better. They're supposed to be like better, more enlightened beings. So there's like a throwaway joke at the beginning when Holly is first going into the, um, off into the office for the day for work. Um, and people are just trying to get her attention. Who are like in the booking line, waiting to be taken into the prison. And one of them is like police brutality, like trying to say that someone's harming them, and it's like painted so clearly as like a laughable thing for them to be saying, right? Um, and all like of, the kind, it's the similar kind of joke is like it wasn't me, it was my twin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, Then we go on to see a scene of, like, that was very upsetting to me on rereading, which is when Mulch Diggums, who is a dwarf. Almost gets murdered in holding. Is, like, maybe intentionally put into a cell with three goblins who have a bias against dwarves. I mean, we know it's, that I it mean, goes both ways, like, but he's basically being like sentenced to being murdered.
1: It's, it's like if uh, police, I mean, yeah, because police know about, it's a very well-known conflict. So it'd yeah. be like if, if police took a member of a big, well-known gang and mm-hmm. put him in a cell full of people of a different a rival gang,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And at one point, um, when the officer comes in to take mulch out to, like, be recruited to commit a crime, like, Suicide Squad style. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, yeah. Suicide <laughs> Squad style. Or the police. Um he sees that there's been some bad stuff going on in the cell and he's like, and Mulch was like, this wasn't my fault. And the guy's like, I don't care what you do to each other. Like, that's really messed up. It's, um, I mean, it is police brutality and that's like kind and of a police an entry point. dismissal
1: of human or not human uh,
0: being value. Totally. And this is an entry point into what Thud does really well mm-hmm. and what, this book didn't do as well, which is ascribing negative characteristics to different fantasy races mm-hmm. based specifically on their race. Yeah. Um. So in Thud, and I'm sorry we're referencing it so much. If you haven't read it, but it's it's really go read relevant it for this if discussion. You, if you are interested in um, unpacking some of this, read Thud. Yeah. It's. Incredibly interesting yeah. compared to, and it actually impacts this as opposed to right. Because I feel the, like I'll... the police chief, is, the police chief um, Sam Vimes, the commander of the Night Watch, is constantly examining his own prejudices and his bigotry against different races, um, and trying. He's trying so, to work. Towards he's working so hard to not being let that, an ally, exactly, instead of just
1: like the status quo. Status quo.
0: Well, and in. Uh, leprecon like in the force um like different figures are immediately dismissed because of their race in different ways Mm -hmm. and trolls are like semi-sentient animals yeah um and trolls i think have always been kind of tricky in fantasy yeah because they're often they're portrayed as stupid like beasts yeah but At the same time, they have a higher consciousness than just an animal. Um, So that's really uncomfortable. Difficult. Um, If you're treating something as an
1: animal that has... I mean, it's already... There are many factions in our own global cultures where people are really upset at the treatment that animals receive at the hands of humans. So if you have something that's more sentient than an animal, like
0: problematic. And we have our own history of um, characterizing certain races as more as animalistic yeah. um, mm-hmm. and using that as an excuse to subjugate, martyr, to treat them, quote rape, unquote, torture, unquote, like yeah. animals. Yeah, Although, don't treat animals that
1: way either, guys. <laughs> no. Part of the reason I felt like this might have been an earlier book of this author's is I mm-hmm. feel like the author didn't think very much about things like this. It feels to me like the author just imbued in his work, his own implicit biases. And Mm -hmm. that's why different characters are so coded to match certain things in our own world um, without commenting on them, Mm -hmm. which is the problem because if you're going to include these reflections of our own society In a book and then not comment on Mm -hmm. the badness of them in any way, shape or form, then all you're doing is reinforcing them and giving the kids who read the book the idea that this is normal and good and, you know, helping to solidify what they're already getting from living in their society Um, problem. That's a problem. And that's why a book like we keep talking about, like Thud, that's why we keep referencing it because it, Terry Pratchett is never unconscious or unthinking in what he includes in his work. I mean, that's incredible because he's, he wrote so much, but it was all very deliberate. Um, And this book feels very not deliberate uh, just kind of like we in, in its study, if yes. it could be called that in tropes like these.
0: hundred percent completely agree. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is um, a victim of Owen Colfer really moving on the plot mm-hmm. um, and being like, okay, well I need this to happen now. Right. Very so plot based. In order to characterize mulch and show his like physical capabilities Mm -hmm. um he needs to get We'll put him in a cell with some goblins yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um but but there's just so much yeah bigger problem with what's happening there especially Mm -hmm. when like i said the society the underground society is being painted as something where like they they have things just more figured out than the humans do right and then Disf- not that not that we also don't see glimpses of problems because we learn a lot about budget cuts. Um, like well, the police or the force fact is
1: that Holly is the first woman
0: on the, the first police woman, force. Well, the first one on this recon. kind of like yeah yeah. yeah there and are I, other female police officers. It seems like mm-hmm. um, just not in that specialized but they're force not because it's that, so dangerous. Like, Marines or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um
1: special ops. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is uh, I don't know enough about. Never mind. I'm not gonna, but yeah, I know really that don't know very much about women in infantry mm-hmm. in America is rare.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: True. Um so, anyways, that's an issue. I want to talk about another issue that I kept coming to, which is especially because this book is obviously for a younger audience. Mm-hmm it's really into guns and weapons
0: and like that's one of the few quentin tarantino levels of like highlighting uh, the violence yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
1: the the most detailed scenes are the ones either describing fairy tech that's almost always weaponry Mm -hmm. there's a few instances of fairy tech being described that's not weaponry but Mm -hmm. like or Butler's guns and this continues the through yeah, yeah this continues through the series yes. Butler's guns always really really intensely get um, yeah. described and they're kind of like they're described in a reverent way mm. and like this is power this is right. you know and I because I remember even I've never been a fan of guns I liked Swords when I you know would read fantasy stuff because I liked uh, bow and arrows yeah right and even then the bow yeah and I still you know have only continued to like guns less and less but even I when I was a kid and read these I the glamour that was bestowed upon Mm -hmm. Butler's guns gave me the uh, that feeling of like whoa like those guns are so cool and so powerful yeah
0: Um, I do so. A few different things i do think that part of that is like the focus overall on tech and like mm-hmm. weapons being included in that right. category yeah because we get like a lot of specific details about mm-hmm. absolutely every piece of machinery yeah you know what i which mean which is the sci-fi element and some parts of that yeah yeah, yeah some parts of that are really cool mm-hmm. talking about
1: the fairy tech and i appreciated that there wasn't like this is a, a pro to bring in here that there wasn't a lot of like made up garbagey feel to the tech. It did yeah, feel pretty legitimate. It was good.
0: The only thing I don't understand is
1: why they're using Max. Like <laughs> Oh my God. When it was like <laughs> Artemis's room was completely decked out in Max and, <laughs> and I was like, Max, uh like, no. okay, more expensive,
0: <laughs> no. but I'm sorry. Not better does not make or more powerful for the amount of for criminal enterprise type of work that he's trying to do. It doesn't make I any sense. I wonder if
1: in two thousand one Max were like really being hyped as the I was more thinking powerful it. than PC which yeah. has never been correct.
0: Well no it's just I mean it's all just marketing. Take it from me. I built my first
1: gaming PC less than a year ago it's so true. I know a computer.
0: And <laughs> I use a Mac but that's because I do design work. For design it is yeah. better. Mm-hmm. But um, for power? Not for creating it's not better. your criminal mastermind uh like a world dominating yes. force. Um, don't use Macs. Don't if use Macs. Criminal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. Just an aside. Um, and just because like it was really portrayed as like
1: he needed all this processing mm-hmm. power and speed and everything, and I was just like, then why the
0: heck are you using Macs? <laughs> yes. Totally. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I think part of that um, approach was applied to the weaponry. I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I am also uncomfortable with like the love that is shown to not just um, Butler's six-hour, but also uh, Holly's neutrino two thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's like notes about how like the power is like pulsing along the barrel at different points. Yeah, and yeah, it just feels like overly sexy. And yeah, I also want to correct myself when I said like Tarantino levels of highlighting violence i think tarantino's approach to violence has really changed and like i think in his last few movies he's tried to make it repulsive um so i don't mean (laughs) i'm not thinking about like hatefully when i say that i'm thinking about like Kill Bill or right. Pulp Fiction. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, no, totally. <laughs> if there are any yeah, big Tarantino fans <laughs> No, I mean, I I just think that's important to clarify because I think it's important to clarify too. I violence, am a Tarantino fan. You can so. use it in an excessive way to make people feel bad. And that's where I think it's effective because it's showing us how we've glamorized violence in general. The one that that makes me think of is Django Unchained because mm-hmm. like uh, most of the violence in that, like it's not sexy violence. I think both that and Hateful Eight hopefully um, like yeah mm-hmm. repulsive upsetting violence yeah, yeah
1: to unnerve you and be like oh i'm really uncomfortable this is bad instead of being like yeah sexy violence instead of being
0: thrilled mm-hmm. um, yeah titillating violence in, in artemis valid is thrilling violence yeah. mm-hmm. yes Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and part of that is because it's like an action movie. I mean, okay. Owen Colfer described it himself as Die Hard, but with fairies. Mm. After the first movie, okay. the first book was published. Yeah. Um, and I understand that, and I that also still think that this is um, part of a good approach to get, like, especially young boys into reading to read. Yeah, um, and the themes become more complex as the books go on like they do. just from the three yeah. that i've read i know that um so yeah i i know that it improves mm-hmm. um and artemis becomes like a much more i mean part I mean, of his whole well
1: and I mean. part of his whole character arc is that he becomes
0: less of a sociopath yeah um but like then that's the probably because it, it's like if you're a sociopath you're not going to become less of a sociopath i know right if you're a sociopath yeah <laughs> Anyway, yeah. No, I mean, there's... <laughs> that's like my issue with Artemis. You can't, you don't start out young and bad, and get like old and good. It just doesn't. I just feel like it doesn't work that way.
1: It does, and at least not in the way that it's presented in.
0: Well, right. Yeah, I line. shouldn't say that. Like that could never. You'll never get better. I know. <laughs> if you're. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, from the, the extent that he starts out, yeah. like he does seem like a true sociopath but then we start getting moments where he's like no emotion no emotion so the emotion is happening inside him so he's not Mm -hmm. a sociopath i guess not yeah um it's just yeah that's like honestly for these other issues that we've been talking about my biggest problem with the book is artemis like i just don't think he's a good character Mm. um yeah at least not initially and we can apply this same issue to so many other long-running fantasy series too like Just because there are some parallels to Harry Potter in this series, I'll say, like, I don't like Harry, (laughs) especially in the first few books. I'll be
1: totally honest that Harry, like, is one of my least favorite Harry Potter characters.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. He's.
1: He's, I find Voldemort far more compelling. Serious. <laughs> I know that he like had a he's had a bad life. It's not like he's like super privileged or anything. Yeah, he but grew then, up being abused, right? Yeah, that's what I mean by he had a bad life. <laughs> <laughs> had a tough
0: time, Harry. Uh,
1: Harry, uh, Harry Potter. But then once he enters the wizarding world i mean it's good that he didn't join up with slytherin but i still just think that in a lot of ways he acts like a privileged jerk throughout this series
0: i think does that intentionally yeah i think Um, that's pretty intentional slytherin is foreshadowed as his possible house Mm -hmm. from the very start and a lot of times he does act like a slytherin yeah yeah for sure yeah and like gets all whiny when people are when you know when his when he goes from being like famous in a good way to famous in a bad way mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> anyway this is not a harry potter podcast that has been but one i of think our, there are parallels It's in one of our mission statements from the start <laughs> <laughs> there are enough podcasts about harry potter well yeah we're never doing a harry potter book no um and i also think it's interesting because owen colfer resented being called the next harry potter yeah, when I'm the books sure came that everyone out. did um and was like no the books are not like harry potter which i also totally agree with um no, just, they're not at all there are just parallels in terms of like magical world world being hidden so that has its own books. really developed society so many books have got that slapped on them and I, it
1: makes me want to punch their and it's english marketing and, teams because i'm like you know just get
0: more creative this
1: this is is more akin to class not this book but it it happened a lot to like more uh tolkienian type fantasy Mm -hmm. and they'd be like the next harry potter
0: and be like shut up it's not and also just like what if harry potter is just the harry potter series and then we make some other things (laughs) i lost you there no i just mean like it doesn't all have to have shades of some other wildly popular series right
1: they just, just do it because it's
0: popular so they slap it on, on there, there and be box. like buy this for your grandkids they like that harry potter and uh, Artemis Hall is not like harry potter but it is wildly popular in its own way mm-hmm. um i think what I, I do so like just wrapping up kind of our our issues <laughs> our uh <laughs> Arjira's section. Yeah, so this this like kind of ties a few different things together. The reason Artemis is, is such a problem for me beyond like his cliched personality. Yeah, I mean he's he's also the super privileged white kid. Well, right. His goal, his impetus, money, and it's not just money because the narrator specifically tells us that the Fowls are still. An incredibly wealthy family but they're not billionaires anymore and he wants to be a billionaire again yeah and i know that the driving there's also an emotional component of he wants to amass additional wealth so that he can search for his father but the amount of gold that he asks for from the fairies is so excessive and i feel like there's also a weird um You know, it's not specifically racial, but it is him looking down on another form of intelligent life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Why does he immediately decide to go to the fairies to steal their gold as opposed to just... Making money in some other criminal enterprise in the which human his family world has done for
1: generations, which is yeah.
0: his legacy. Well, no, exactly, but, but it's like also he because wants he wants to, to go like above fairies. and beyond. Yeah, and yeah, he wants mm-hmm. to dominate them intellectually, um, and I'm just like not into that. Um, I he's so frivolous uh, in, in everything mm-hmm. that he does. Like he really. Um, even though he's so brilliant um, and even though I don't think he ever has an intention of exposing the fairies to the human world no. um, the, but the, still the actions he's taking um, are so dangerous not just to the lower elements but to the human world and mm-hmm. like to destroying this balance like he thinks that he deserves to read the book of the people right and like gain all their knowledge and it's just like calm down okay like stay in your lane you already have everything you could possibly want yeah except love yeah again Um, huge cliche it's that's a problem for me yeah Mm -hmm. and and this is again the setup of a series where he learns to be a good person um but like why (laughs) you know fix yourself (laughs) Without yeah. causing so many
1: problems like, for other people, that's, that's uh, so
0: many people out there who are good people who had much worse traumas happen when they were young, who had far fewer resources yeah. and much bigger obstacles to overcome. Yeah. So yeah, just not behind him. Holly, I see as like my protagonist mm-hmm. of the series, and yeah. her, I was interested and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. still interested in. Spending but we don't time feel with. bad for you, Artemis. I have not, and an, not a moment of sympathy for him reading no, this. No. Even like, oh, I his, actually his kind of his like, mother calling him by his grandfather's name. I'm just like, okay, yeah.
1: I actually wanted Deal to like. I, I had a sliver of like <laughs> mocking in my head when even when he was like talking to his mother. I was like, oh, boohoo, rich boy. Like, no, <laughs> oh, it's hard. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's hard. Um, yeah, so okay. So I said I didn't want to poop all over the book, and then we did that for <laughs> and like then we 40 had our, minutes. Um, our poop section. I think it's like
1: we're not gonna gloss it over though, we're gonna talk about it when we have these feelings. No,
0: exactly. And the thing is, we are typically like wildly enthusiastic and positive about everything that mm-hmm. <laughs> we read. Um, so I think it's also important to examine when something doesn't make us feel that way. I have to I should have brought this up in Old and New Impressions.
1: I until I read like the fourth book, I thought Owen Culver was a woman. Probably because of Lord of the Rings and I saw the E on the name and I thought it was oh it's like Aowen. But, but I thought could it was, also
0: be like Ao or Madeline.
1: Okay, but I thought it was like <laughs> Aowen, like Aowen <laughs> Culver, literally. Okay. And I thought that the writer was a woman, and I think that's part of the reason why I never dug up a problem with it
0: mm-hmm.
1: much before yeah. rereading it as an adult, because it, I thought it was all coming from a woman.
0: Yeah, which you know, not to mean, not to say that like, and I know you're not saying this that any of like the racial dynamic issues would be any different or anything like that. Sure,
1: but but the gender
0: dynamic issues, the gender dynamic, it, yeah, it if it they were different. from a woman's point mm-hmm.
1: of view, even with the exact stuff, same stuff in play. Yeah. Would just mean a different thing. But yeah. yeah, I mean you're right, that doesn't do anything to solve the racial issues. But I wasn't I mean, I was a privileged white kid. I wasn't yeah. cognizant of any of that in my youth. So I wouldn't have been able to pick on up pick up on that regardless.
0: Cool. So, you know, we did gain something from this book. Yeah. Because this discussion. We're, we're having this discussion. We're continuing to apply a critical eye to I think just fantasy literature at large, which a lot of people overlook and don't think can have social commentary. um, Oh my gosh! But it's so can. That's like the I don't know. To me, that's like a huge part of the purpose of fantasy. fantasy. Yeah, Um, and I know that like all of you listening, I'm sure feel the same way Um, because it's allegorical. Yes. Uh, Yeah, but sometimes it can uh, do harm. It can Mm -hmm. go in the opposite direction. So yeah, for sure
1: must be responsible with your fantasy writings.
0: Um, so let's... Uh, this can going to be a really long episode. Let's do some of our segments that we haven't covered yet. Um, we so can do them quickly. We will. We've already talked quite a bit about the magic system yeah. in this book i, don't, I um, don't feel like we need to cover that but i do i have always appreciated that they the fairies need to re-perform their ritual by mm-hmm. planning a, you know planning yeah. something like that connection to nature i, I think that is cool that. yeah um some very specific uh, restrictions surrounding when and how and where you can do the ritual that definitely make it more complicated <laughs> i know i was like boy i hope they're planting oak trees mm-hmm. Like I hope the people are, so that they're not gonna like run out I know, of they ancient need some notes. Oats. Yeah, <laughs> need to replenish that supply. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I liked that, and I like that they're using magic in uh, tied into a human technology, basically, or their version of human technology, mm-hmm. fairy technology. Yeah. but you know, a version of what we have yeah. come to understand as tech, um, so that they don't have to rely on magic alone. Um, and they're using it in uh, interesting ways. Mm-hmm. I um, It doesn't sound great to have to live underground. <laughs> yeah, they're really depriving themselves. No. I mean,
1: in order to basically to protect humans, mm-hmm. they really like get the short end of the stick. Like even just the way the, the people all flock to the surface, like there are customs to try to get through to the surface. And Holly is so happy to get to fly to go replenish her magic like yeah. it's really sad that they have to be shut out of the world yeah and they they're isolated live underground
0: um for like both their sake and the humans sake mm. it's time to attempt to discuss pretend food what of it is there it <laughs> is there any does it be do they eat um yeah, so not a lot of sustenance in this book. Ruth, Holly shoes on cigars; they're disgusting <laughs> fungus cigars that I guess are maybe providing some kind of nutrient. Yeah, stamp. I don't know. Holly has a leftover smoothie, like a little bit of smoothie in her fridge before she goes to work. I think a nettle smoothie is mm-hmm. what it is. Um, oh, and then Julia makes. She starts to make Holly carrots. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I kept thinking about that nettle smoothie because I was like this is a long day she has not had anything to eat since that like crummy pre-work breakfast um leftover smoothie (laughs) it's not good shutter worthy so gummy just any you can't save a smoothie you gotta drink it all right away unless you put it in the freezer um and then even then you just get like a block of smoothie ice to contend with so Anyway, that's all of our smoothie thoughts for now. Um, but yeah, there's just not not a lot of eating that goes on. Technically, um mulch is eating um as and I I haven't gotten to talk oh. about him very much. He's like one of my favorite characters. He's so weird and yeah, he's, fun. Yeah, he's a really weird character. <laughs> Although the way that
1: Owen Colfer is constantly like, uh huh, it's funny because he poops out the dirt. Because it He's was, pooping and farting. Yeah. And it was like, okay, we get it. It's, yeah, we get <laughs> but it. But think about it more. So, again, another like sign that this is written for a younger audience yeah. that the
0: flatulence. Yeah. The puerile humor is really like, lolololol. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember enjoying it when I was young and I like more. Sure. I thought it was funny. Um, yeah. And I do. I like Maltz too. He's a character. he gets his freedom. Although I know he returns in later books to assist. To help. Yeah. But he like has a pretty sweet deal going on. Yeah. He does. Um, And the, I remember very distinctly, like just the process of him unhinging his jaw and undoing his pants flaps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he's the only one who really talks about savoring, like food in any way, because oh, because the, he's talking about eating the different yeah, kinds of dirt, the different kinds of like wine-scented yeah. soil that's underneath their you're right. cellar. Mulch has pretend food, um, yeah, and the limestone, um and uh, yeah, just like sensing out the different little mm-hmm. pockets. Like he you're right, appreciates that. So maybe that's why I like him. You you're know?
1: right. And then at the very, very end, Artemis puts. Sleeping pills and champagne and Dom Perignon, yeah. Um, so there's like alcohol and dirt at cigar
0: and an old smoothie. Yeah, yum yum yum. Not the best pretend. Definitely food. not going to be making any Artemis Fowl recipes. For oh our dear, pretend food cookbook. No, no, no. Um Yeah, I don't think so. So yeah. that wraps that up. Maybe we could just have like a. Commander Roots weed cigar.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> just a giant plot. <laughs> Fungus cigars.
0: <laughs> so the only segment we have left to discuss is Badass Lady Meter, where we choose our favorite badass lady and rate her on our patented scale that Madeline hates. I what about animals like in this book? There's some dead spiders. We're out an hour twenty. <laughs> We're done. We're not going to talk about dead spiders. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate the way that the fairy folk are very Reverent respectful towards to animals. Any animal yeah. that they like, encounter or, like, kill.
1: When Holly um, sees the dolphins, it's really cute. Yeah. Fairly, yeah, it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Badass Lady, Mir, would you like to go first or should
1: I? I'll go first. My badass lady is, it's Captain Holly Short, predictably. She's... The badass lady. Um, For all the reasons that we've discussed. We use the term badass as a reappropriative way to take back the like "Mm -mm, badass trope and reapply it to truly wonderful, amazing people who we decide are badass ladies. We all have a little bit of badass lady inside of us. That's right. Captain Holly Short. I rate her the... uh, Sweetness
0: of Refreshed Acorn Magics. Refreshed acorn magics. I could use some of those right now, honestly. Sounds great.
1: Great choice. I'll... I. Sorry, I want to say really quickly that I do... This is one lasting thing that I've taken from this book is that when I'm in full night's rest, feeling good, feeling healthy, ready to tackle stuff... Feel I, like
0: you planted your acorn?
1: I think of it as running hot... With cool, like Yeah. fairy magics. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that a lot. And I,
1: I do. I don't even think it consciously, but I still like that's in there.
0: So I'll go ahead and choose Juliet to show her some love. Um, we have mentioned that we really like her, but we didn't really go into specifics. Um, and she's not in the book very much. She's not in the book very much. She is in in subsequent books. books. Um, but I like the preview we get of her. Um, I like that she is continually like narrated as very feminine. Mm -hmm. Um, but these are traits that I really liked when I was young reading it. Like I liked that she had like manicured nails and glittery mascara, but she loved wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, she develops her own really interesting, like
1: mixed martial art fighting yeah. style in subsequent books too.
0: Yeah. She's just, um, she's like wonderfully contradictory mm-hmm. and a lot of, Ways that we tend to think about a certain kind of woman, and I really appreciate any character that yeah just breaks down gender stereotypes in general. In later, So good on you, Owen Colfer. Yeah, in a later book, she braids a stone ring into the bottom of her hair and uses it to fight with. <laughs> it's That's pretty great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Julia, Julia's just fun. She's nice to have on the yeah, periphery of this book too. Mm-hmm. Um, So my rating for Juliet is twenty tubes of glittery mascara. It sounds dangerous;
1: like it would get in your eyes.
0: Yeah, I don't really know what glitter mascara would be like to wear. Maybe it's it's like shimmery. Yeah, I think so. But I I like the. I remember reading it when I was young and thinking of it as a full-on like Lisa Frank like big glitters huge, huge clumping yeah. your eyelashes and i was like yeah i want that <laughs> i mean this was in a That's time when we, were, when we were wearing like uh bath and body works roll on oh glitter gosh, yeah just smear some of that
1: on your skin wow weird the early odds were, were a really weird incredible. time yeah and i remember the exact really smell of that oh, stuff because yeah. it rattled around in our bathroom drawers for for. Ever. Oh, we had it for ages. Yeah. And I'm pretty... turned into
0: like a hardened goop. <laughs> <laughs> that scent was so bizarre. Yeah. Just synthetic bloobs. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. I Wow. It's like
0: the smell is hitting me. I feel like it's filling the room right now. <laughs> no. Oh, <my> God. <laughs> no. Synthetic goop, Harry. <laughs> um, so I think we've talked enough (laughs) about Artemis Fowl any points that you would like to close on Mm, I think that's everything I am really interested to see what the movie is like
1: I mean, I'm I curious. am going to see it. I will be honest. Yeah. I
0: mean, we saw the Wrinkle in Time movie in theaters. We have a little mini episode on that if you'd like to check it out. And like, that was enjoyable. We enjoyed it more than most reviewers did. Put yes. It that way. And I think that that was a much more dangerous situation because mm-hmm. that book was like very fundamental for me. So it was stressful to go see an adaptation. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, this one, yeah, check out the teaser, uh, all of you. If you're interested, definitely watch it. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm interested to um, see what they do with it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, there'll probably be some like renewed Artemis Fell discussion. Yeah. See how the movie handles it all. Yeah. Um, I I just wish we were getting a Thud adaptation. That would be <sighs> <So> unfilmable. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> I still I really want to watch the Hogs Watch. Yes, because we can too. It actually looks like really fun yeah no some people watch it every yeah christmas. like it looks cult-y, culty and, and fun night. and weird i do really want to yeah be. we missed our chance this christmas but like well, well, we'll really, we can never watch it again we missed our chance we'll never be christmas again just watch it in june thank you so much for listening if you've made it this far wow um hats off to you <laughs> hats off uh, we did, this book was really important to us when we were young and um, all criticism aside I'm happy it exists mm-hmm. I'm really happy for like I feel like the huge readership that it introduced to fantasy and just to loving books in general mm-hmm. um, and yeah thank you for creating it Mr. Colfa um, we will be back soon mm-hmm. with another book <laughs> Another book. <laughs> Should we do what we did last time and just tell them what it will be because I
1: made my pick for What is it going to be? Now I'm finding out at the same time as you guys, um, listeners,
0: except not really. So our this next book will be The Princess Bride. Oh, I have that. I know exactly where it is.
1: Yay. Um, which has a really weird framing in the book and I yes.
0: still I would like to discuss it. Yep, cuz okay. I'm still confused by it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's gonna be fun uh, Thank you so much for listening uh, For letting us know your thoughts Everyone who's contacted us um, It's so much fun chatting with you About fantasy literature yeah. Anyone who would like to get in touch You can contact us on our website Dragonbabiespodcast.com Shoot us an email at Dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com Or on Twitter at dragonbabiespod And Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast So let us know what you think. Um, and if you could also please leave us an Apple Podcasts review. We love it. That would be amazing. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time with The Princess Bride. I'm Grace. And I'm <laughs> Madeline. Until next time. Good. Bye.